Hey, it's Mitch Goldman. Welcome to Deep Focus. This is part two of three parts of this Deep Focus from January of 2013. William Hooker in the studio with me. We're talking about Elvin Jones and this piece of music that's about to begin. Well, you're going to hear it in a moment. Let me just remind you, William's going to talk about some gigs. They are obviously not upcoming because this is from 2013. Also, uh, William is still in there knocking it out and doing great stuff. Check him out on the socials. William Hooker, spelled the way it sounds. And uh, he's you can find him at williamhooker.com. You can uh, sign up for his mailing list and all that good stuff. Enjoy the show. Thank you. 
never heard that before unless unless you're like our our caller right there who was actually there at uh, birdland maybe maybe on that very night really? then uh, but unless you were one such in, uh, smiled upon individual wow which most of us were not then you probably never heard that live recording of john coltrane with mccoy tyner jimmy garrison and the subject of my conversation tonight with mr william hooker Elvin Jones Elvin. playing the drums. Thoughts? Yeah, my first thought that I was, my first thought that I was thinking. I hope so. Like I'm thrown, uh, I'm thrown off a little bit because one thing that Elvin did and turned me on to as a drummer was the fact that you don't always have to go into making a statement uh, like by going into it full force, showing all your expertise, showing how much you can play fast, showing your facility of cross-sticking, showing how much power you have, 
showing how much, um, how showing, showing really where the music left you off before you had that space to work with. You can start, which I've, which, which I, I've taken this with me, taken this with me a lot. Like you can start by just simply dealing with the drums in terms of their individual tones, dealing with the rhythm in terms of one note or one beat meaning a lot more in terms of its, uh, its relevance to the time signature and the time period. And you can, and you can cross-reference while you're making, while you're creating this piece of, of sculpture, you can cross-reference one sound, which is obviously a higher pitch, with another sound, which may be a lower pitch, that being perhaps like your tom-tom and your floor tom, which Elvin did. He did here. This is like 63. And I, I was checking this out. I've been checking this out about him specifically. Like, um, and usually what he, what he does, well, I won't say usually what he does, because he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't play patterns. He doesn't play, um, oh, he's going to do this. You can sit there mm-hmm. and say, oh, after this, he's going to do this. Then after this, he's going to do this. And then he's going to build it up to this. And then train's going to come in. You know, it's not like that. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. Now, is that, is what he's doing, you think, better, more sophisticated, or is it just a stylistic distinction? It's an African thing. Mm-hmm. Straight up African thing. I'm going to go there. Okay. I'm going to go there because, because... Because people don't look at the drum set as a communicator. Mm, mm, they look mm. at it as a rhythm producer. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a communicator. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You and know. specifically, it's, this is something I used to talk about. Uh, yeah. Shannon Jackson, who I don't get to see as often okay. as I did when he lived in New York, but spent a lot of time with him. Mm-hmm. And something he used to talk about, and he's a guy who who can, communicates with the drums, that it's the drums originated as a communication tool for communicating over long distances. And then you had to hit that thing and engage with it to do that. That it was, it was, it was for doing something beyond what a human could do with their voice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and your spirit is in that. Mm. And as you create, as I said, that piece of sculpture... Which is your solo, if they if you're granted that time to do, which I really believe, I really believe in that thing. I'm like, you know, give the drummer something. You got. It. I mean, please, <laughs> let's like, you know, let's come on, you know, like as as he did on that piece, and I saw from that because I've seen that all the way up to Momentum Space, mm. Momentum Space. You know, which, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and and um. I think he did a piece on that. It's called It. And 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 um it's it's very it's very it's similar, but it's not similar in the sense of uh first of all he has a different sounding drum set because he has a bigger sounding drum set, but he approached it from the standpoint of I wanna tell you a story. And I was like listening. I was listening to this story, and it's so much easier for, for it was so much easier for me to absorb what he had to say, 
by the way he told it. Because he wasn't saying like a James Joyce story, which is kind of a story, but it's just too much. It's too much, you know. <laughs> like, I'm serious. It's too much. Like so, so he's gonna tell you a story, and he's gonna take you someplace, which may not even be within the realm of this time and space continuum, and it may relate to something that you and your soul know has happened. But just by the by the be- the pure beauty of the fact that. I am going to tell you this on the drum that automatically placed me in a certain place that made me realize that I can tell stories to people with this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't have to like just play beats. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was doing. And then and then at the end and, and then at that section when he was doing that solo part yeah. and he was he was he wasn't, you know, at first I used to think he was fishing. Mm. But no, I don't think he's fishing. Mm. I think he actually, he actually by that point, like I was saying, Mitch, he's warmed up now. Yes, he's he's, he's hot now. He's yeah. ready. Yeah, said, you can know. see him sweating. Yeah, <laughs> he's ready now. He's ready now. You know, this is the second set. Like you know, I can hear the, I can hear the, I can hear the, um, the floor, the the um, bass drum. Bass drum is ready now. So, uh, by that point, he feels more. The, he, I, I, I felt he was more comfortable with the ability to tell the story because the, he was more comfortable at that point with the tools he had to tell the story, which is the drum set. And at, in this one, this, this particular one, I don't think it's the reason the way it's recorded, this one, the drum set sounds different than the first one. Mm. This one sounds a lot more fluid. Like he put some EB40 on that thing, and that thing was working. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Okay. And that's what I learned. I mean, I learned that. I used to, you know, please. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm taking it all in, man. But uh, something you said off mic that had some resonance for me, you were saying having gone to the memorial service when Elvin passed, which I was also coincidentally, I was there as well. And you did you write some thoughts down at that time yeah i did do you want to share them is that yeah 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 because uh uh if i were to if i were to write a book these would be in it because i'm a drummer i'm a drummer i mean in elvin jones are you serious that was it was um it was at riverside church yeah which uh is a beautiful building and um and uh, a magnificent uh all embracing spirituality, I will say, yeah. And uh, it was a real gathering of the tribe, as I recall. How, how do you? What do you remember? Why? While I searched this. Well, I, re- I remember generally there was, you know, the same thing that you and I are talking about. That Elvin touched something deep inside you. For you specifically, of course. As a drummer, there were a lot of drummers in the house that day. Um, for people who were big fans of Coltrane, for people who had, you know, what this music's about, you know, feeling, uh, knowing somebody's out there, knowing something bigger than you is out there. Yeah. And that he showed the way to that, and that's kind of how it felt. I also remember, you know, I remember uh, Herbie Hancock sitting there in the in the 
uh, pews and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, you know, all these people who, you know, have you thought about it, you're like, oh, yeah, well, that totally makes sense. You know, I just remember this uh, real feeling of, of community and of recognizing, I mean, it wasn't even a, so much of a mournful thing as a celebration of, of a, a powerful yeah. light, light, you know. Well, for me, uh, for for me, there weren't that many drummers that I knew or or had seen and really looked up to that really exhibited a certain manhood. Mm. In a certain way to live as a man with a woman, your wife, mm-hmm. yeah. and to travel down that road with her. You know, that There's a few things that really bear mentioning if we're going to talk about Elvin Jones as an individual, and that's certainly one of them. And it's a fascinating thing. Why would I bring that it. up? Why would I bring that well, up? Well, his people might not realize that his wife, Keiko, was also his business manager, and that... Uh, they traveled everywhere together, and um, I, when I met them, they were already, you know, two as one, very much, you know, a real solid unit. But apparently, you know, his life may have been in a completely different place from that at the time these recordings were made. Mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. What I yeah, hear, yeah, yeah. I hear you. It was. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, but that was a very powerful thing too. That relationship between them and. Uh, and also, you know what, I'll say, too, that uh, I got to know them and did a little bit of business with them. And um, he was just uh, had such a sweet, open warmth about him. And uh, you're nodding. I know you had the same experience I did. And, you know, I spent some time working with them. But then for years and years beyond that, every time if he saw me sitting in the audience at the Vanguard or whatever, Coming off the bandstand, I get a big, sweaty, joyful, sincere hug. And, you know, there was just uh, not like, oh, here's somebody who might help me in business, but like a uh, here, a human connection that was just felt and it meant something. And it was this a very well put, Mitch. Very yeah. well put. Very well put. Because that human connection, that human connection, you know, it doesn't happen just because you play an instrument. No. Doesn't happen just because you play an instrument. And when this thing, when this came out, 63, what? I'm like, what, 14? Mm. I wasn't thinking Elvin Jones. Mm. I wasn't thinking Elvin Jones. And probably when I heard this, I was saying, oh, man, what is that? But then I came to realize what it was. And then later, as um, all of these other pieces were coming out, and I was really starting to seriously pursue um, the drum set. And the drum, the you know, the drum set. And that was, I think, the period when all of these great records were coming out by Elvin um, with his trio. Like you said, Lieb, um, Lieberman, Liebman. Oh, Dave Liebman. Dave yeah, Liebman. Yeah, yeah, sure. and, um, and he was, I think that um, Joe Lovano was in his group once, uh, I believe. Maybe. maybe. Uh, Joe Farrell. Joe Farrell. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and so I'm... Um, I, I'm I'm saying that because here he is. He's 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 he, uh, people are dying around him. Yeah, people are dying around him. You know, and that's kind of hard to see in a sense. But in another sense, 
you're looking at your soulmate and your music is coming out stronger and stronger and stronger and people like myself that play drums I'm saying whoa whoa what was that like as a drummer like as a person who yeah as a person who wants to lead groups and wants to play play my own music and stuff like that and I'm seeing that that he, that everything is in place for him everything is in place and he took advantage of it and and he and he showed the way to me mm-hmm. about how to be able to do that but he also showed as I say he had he had a dignity about him mm-hmm. at that point mm-hmm. and he he wasn't just a, a person that just hung out just because I'm gonna hang out and you know and I was I was really looking I I don't know maybe maybe it's my own background my own roots or whatever but I really I really respect that in people mm. I respect that in people I respect um, I respect a, a person walking down this road with like another person maybe my mother and father like similar and Things are just spiritually correct. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I just like that. I mean, yeah. if, if if it wasn't correct, it's still lie. I mean, it'd be okay with me. But you know, because <laughs> yeah. I'm not exactly Mister. Oh, oh, oh. But <laughs> not everybody, as you know. Well, not everybody. Not, I, not everybody that that brings something to the music is necessarily walks that walk. No, either. they don't. They don't have to. They don't have to. But when I saw a drummer. That yeah. that I knew had lived some life, yeah, which he certainly had. Certainly, and, you know, was manifest. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. and 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 then when he decided to tell those tales through his music, as he did at the last piece, tell that tale, make that make that solo the way that he created that solo, but to also build it up to a certain frenzy where the rhythms were being superimposed one on top of another. And I hope I haven't talked so much that people didn't realize what just happened. But the, after, after, he, after he set we'll up the story... We'll give him some more. Don't worry. We'll give him some more. Right. After he set up the story, then he started to superimpose rhythm on top of rhythm. And the thing about it is he doesn't have, like, two bass drums and three floor tom-toms and all this stuff. He's just playing a regular traditional drum set. And he's talking the talk of the ancestors to me. You did know. you have some personal experiences with him? Anything you want to no. share? No, just not at all. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I never did. Every it just seemed like every time that every time something was going to be jumping off, I don't know where I was. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where I was. <laughs> you know, oh, Elvin is going to have a he's going to have a um, um, a workshop. Oh well. I don't know where I was. <laughs> so yeah, you were doing your thing, man. You, you're playing music. That's probably what you were doing. Probably, probably. <laughs> but that that was that was my that was my experience. And, uh, Did, you were gonna uh, share some oh, thoughts. Yeah, it said uh, it says here. No, let's no, play the next one. Okay, okay. Because right, we get lament. into it. Yeah, but but tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're thinking, because oh. a lot of times I see you being around Shannon. I know yeah. I know that certain things here. Have have have, um, but you see, but for me, I, I'm, I'm cutting it off. Go, please talk. No, to me I'm just taking thinking? it all in. Let's play some music. That's all right, great. Of. All right then. All right. Yeah, we'll come back to it. Uh, you're listening to WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman, and what a, what a delight, man! What a delight. William Hooker is here. <laughs> 
We have these. This, uh, uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, archives, uh, on the archives, I don't believe. Oh, yeah. We have the WKCR archives at our disposal and these fantastic live recordings of Elvin yeah. Jones with John Coltrane. And William, as you've probably gathered, if you're not just tuning in, is a, a great, great devotee of this music. In addition to being a fantastic drummer and band leader in his own right, William Hooker is playing Wednesday night, two nights hence, at the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn, uh, 8 o'clock p.m., which we talked about in some detail, and, and it's going to be something special. And uh, we're going to go back to the archives. We are... Oh, oh. Who's in this group? Who's in this group? Um, uh, Mitch, the, the one that the next one, land. yeah, the it's one. It's the same up. group. It's the same group. It's the same night. It's For Lonnie's Lament, Lonnie's Lament. It's October eighth of sixty three. So this is actually the same night that Coltrane okay. Live at Birdland was recorded. I got you. I got you. Which is a phenomenal thing. I and mean, we've got a bunch of different recordings from Birdland, but this is that very night. And uh, yeah, it's the classic quartet. It's McCoy Tyner on piano, Jimmy Garrison on the bass, Elvin's playing the drums, Coltrane on. Tenor and soprano. And uh, yeah, so this is Lonnie's Lament from that same date from the WKCR archives. Yes. Yes.
Pee-wee Marquette. That's the voice of Pee-wee Marquette. Wow. You know, when I started hanging out in this town, he was still working the door at right down the block from where Birdland was at Hawaii Kai. Remember Hawaii Kai? That place is there? Next to the Winter Winter Garden Theater. Wait a minute. No, I don't remember that. Still still there. It's got another name now. Anyway. That's before my time. Yeah, you know, old-timers like me, you know. (laughs) You are listening to WKCR-FM New York. My name is Mitch Goldman. This is Deep Focus. Yeah. This is, now you know why I came up with the name for this show. Yeah. If you've been listening to William Hooker talking about Elvin Jones. Wow. This is, we are in Deep Focus. On the work and uh, the spiritual development and expression of Elvin Jones with William also a drummer whose work you should know, performing this Wednesday night at the Knitting Factory here in NYC. Yeah, Brooklyn. Hey, I have a shout-out. I never do shout-outs. I, ne- I don't know if I've ever done a shout-out. <laughs> but I'm going to do one tonight because I know a mutual friend of ours is tuned in. Sarah, Sarah Schmidt. Schmidt. Listening to that. Go on, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Kentucky. All right, we're big. We're big in Kentucky. That's KCR. right. That's, that's right. right. I like that. Yeah. At least in Sarah's house, we are anyway. That's great. Yes. Um, I I don't know how to tell you. Um, I think you used the right word when you said awe, because you know, you you establishing this show, you know that there were very few. I when you asked me who you want to check out, I, I I usually don't have any names of people I want to check well, out. Well, last time you were here, <laughs> I got issues. <laughs> no, you know what I think it is. You and I have never talked about this. I'm gonna guess that um, the time that you get to spend of your life thinking about music, you're thinking about your music. Yeah, basically. I mean, you know, there's no no shame in that, William. Or else, not even thinking about music. You know, yeah. Not, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, when when you think about it. Um, you're not even thinking about music. I mean, um, I, I love architecture and I love reading and I love books and I like ideas and painting and stuff. And all that stuff it feeds me more than just like the personalities that play this music or whatever. And um, I find that kind of interesting. Um but Elvin Elvin Jones is one person that I mean that that hands down if I had to if I had to seriously deal with the the drummers that had an effect on me you I I can't get around that that's just like an all that's like being up in the air in like the clouds just enveloping the plane yeah and like you you know that's all I can see because really, I mean, um, especially I think one uh, as far as his his uh, his his steadfastness 
to the 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 flow of the beat um a lot of people can do a lot of people can play licks and a lot of people can play tunes but to sustain that level of creativity with a band that tight with people like a train that had that facility and mm. people like people like McCoy Tyner playing such beauty that's a very difficult position to be in you know it's very difficult i mean um and to have and to be able to, and to be able to intersperse intersperse the rhythm with such power and such precision that's what i myself like always looked up to and um he was he's he's the person that's really done that the best to me um and you were telling me about when you went to that tribute like i'll just throw these ideas out there because because I didn't even think I was going to even use them, but I don't yeah, know if please. I were. Yeah, because if I were to if I were to check out um, something that I would put into writing, I would think these are the kind of I was saying, Elvin Jones tribute. This is my little book that I just found yesterday after I lost it for about three weeks. I was just huh. I was just ecstatic. William has a beautiful little leather bound notebook. Yes, and uh, and I lost it. Well, well, lovingly uh, worn and, <laughs> yes, and, and yes. engaged with. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it looks like, I don't know, I haven't looked through it, but it looks like it is chock full of writings and maybe sketches and thoughts and musings and things from the heart. It's got that, it's got that vibe about it. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> You're right. When I was thinking about the joy of living, I wonder about the time spent here on the earth plane. I'm writing this down, you have to realize, in the middle of this tribute, and in, in this is going on. A gross practice. Today's, today's tribute should be very inspiring. I will only listen to the music and the word because it seems as if um, it was, as you said, it was a, a day where everybody was really clicking into the camaraderie of music, but I myself, I wasn't involved in any of that. I just didn't, I did, I wasn't feeling it. I was, it was almost like I just had to realize the fact that I was trying to put together all of these drum things that Elvin did and how he approached his instrument. So... I talked about is freedom in the music the all right is is freedom in the music then I talked about the manly pride the joy of living that again went to that thing about where he was at in terms of when he passed and what in the way that we should tread um and then I thought about my generation and Elvin also encouraged me to stay recent and to stay current mm. because I traced these things that we're listening mm. and which I never heard before yeah but I mean I had heard Birdland I had heard uh, Velvet Vanguard and then I started listening to Elvin's trios one of them which we're going to play mm -hmm. and then after that I started listening to the Jazz Machine mm -hmm. which yeah. I was like why do you call why do you call this group the jazz machine? And then I realized 
his thing was hooked up like a machine. Yeah. His thing was working. Yeah. I was like, this band is working. This right. band is seriously, you know. And, right. um, yeah. Ty, it, Ty, you know, it's funny. I never, I don't know if I ever thought about this before, but <laughs> coming from Detroit. Yeah. Like, machines, that means something. That's that's a town, you know, where that that's, you know, big, hard-driving machines built that city that he came out of, you know? I don't know. Maybe it's that was... A, uh, that could yeah. be it. That could yeah. be it. You think maybe? I don't know. That could be it, Mitch. And then and then I listed all the people that were there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And let's see. It goes on into the whole thing that hit me about fame. And it wasn't because Elvin Jones was famous or that 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 made me know I had to be there. What made me know I had to be there was the fact that this person changed music and changed me in this music. That is our music. Mm-hmm. That's how deep that affected me. Mm-hmm. And I realized it as I was here in New York dealing with like New York stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, by that time, he was just a... He was just a an icon in my mind, an icon in everybody's mind, I would think. Yeah. Especially, and if you're a drummer, I mean, please. Uh, if you don't even, you know. And he, he played up almost to the end. I know, you know I know, I know. Which a, I don't know if I would do that. Yeah, he, he had a full, long life. And I know, I know. He had that machine hooked up to him and everything. Oh, yeah. That, that's, I don't know, that's a whole other thing. But the pieces that we're playing, if people really listen to it, and people really f- get into it, I think that they can see that tie with the ancestors. And I think they can see the relevance of it to band making and how, how the drum is, the, is a focal point in a band. Mm-hmm. Because, there, because from everything from the cymbals, which, which um, Elvin uses uh, throughout, whenever he's playing, you always hear a whole... Um, I don't know. I guess you would call it what kind of, kind of tone would you call it? It's that tone that happens on top of tone, and it's always there for train. It's always there, and and it's not tinny. It's full. It takes on a life of its own, and that's just one layer on the sound uh, ladder. Mm. And then you go even further down, and then when you deal with the only thing that I don't understand in this thing. And we might have it in the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really, I've never, I didn't hear any brushes, brushwork. Right, Because right. his brushwork is really yeah. astounding. Yeah, or mallets or, yeah. His brushwork for me, though, yeah. made me realize, you know something? You don't have to paint like um, psh, Matisse. Mm-hmm. You can paint like Pollock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. works. Elvin was like slapping it, man. Yeah. He was slapping yeah. it on. I mean, you know, really. And I love that, man. So, so that's one thing that I also stole. I said, you know something? When I get into it, it's not nice anymore. Mm. It's not mm. nice. Mm. I'm, I'm, what are you thinking? What are you thinking, Mitch? Yeah, no, it all makes <laughs> way too much sense. I get it. I get it. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, and I never thought about it in those terms, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. You really are right. And it, it's, uh, I, yeah, I think, you know, maybe, I don't know if he got it from that. I mean, you know, there was certainly some overlap. This was the time of uh, those expressionists, and this is very expressionistic music. It's, it's, a, it's hmm. a great parallel. Well, I just put it in my head that way. I yeah. don't even. I have no. No, clue. no. I mean, we're because not. as you know, those dudes they used to. Well, I was taught this way. You take the brush and you circle it around, and then you go everything in like this, mm. and that's the way you learn how to play it. Yeah, and William talking about playing playing the drums with brushes and, and yes. a classical technique. If not from classical music, a just a classic order of approach. You have your left hand is doing a circle. And your right hand is going in the circle, in in the circle, out of the circle, in the circle, out of the circle, in the circle, out of the circle. But when Elvin get hot, like any person that's hit with the spirit, this in the circle, out of the circle, <laughs> that doesn't work. That is not working anymore. It's just like, look, I'm slapping this paint on. And that's it. <laughs> Give that's, me that that's, that's all I can say. I'm slapping this paint on, and, and, and when the tune is over, if I got to, I'm going to pick up a stick and start slapping it with the stick. <laughs> he was serious. He The man was serious. You yeah. know, he yeah. wasn't there to, like, appease people. He was there to, like, really take this music and take his group and take the people he was playing with, take them to another level. And I, I, I just, I just, I respect that so much. I respect that so much in in in, um, in in artistry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking. I'm remembering. You know, the man and the relatively little bit of time that I spent with him, and the that uh, you know genuine humility. Um, there was him, and then there was that music. There's a sense that I got. You know, that was bigger and outside of him, and uh, it fits. It all fits together. Yeah. What's the other piece that you have? Well. I'm kind of like really anxious to hear that. Let's do it, man. We've got a couple of ways we could go. Uh-huh. And I'll tell you what. I'm going to I'm gonna make a little uh, promise to the listeners. Whatever we don't get through tonight, I will air in future nights. So I don't want you to feel like you're going to get cheated out of getting to hear this. But we have unbelievable music. We've got uh, now. This is all stuff from the KCR archives. That's it's what I'm thinking. Not any place you're going to find this anywhere else. Oh, Maybe God. you know, I don't know. A few people have this, but uh, we've got some recordings from the Half Note, which this is really interesting. And I've got uh, there's a bunch of stuff that I've played over the last few years that was part of this uh, Alan Grant radio show in New York that recorded Friday nights. In the 60s. Uh-huh. And uh, it was like a popular one. AM radio station that actually... Popular AM? AM radio. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think so. That played, you know... Played what? It's Friday night, and here we are at this... How did this get in there? This... I don't get it. Uh, this something that we have that's, you know, from a long abandoned format from a terrific broadcaster... Alan Grant, who I don't remember being on the air, but uh-huh. he, there are all these fantastic recordings, including this one of Coltrane at the Half Note, which was down in Soho. And uh, so we've got I that to that play. One. Yeah. I remember that one. Um, and then this other thing that I've discovered is a, a band that Elvin led. This is 68, so the year, well, he'd been out of Coltrane's band for a few years, but and it's the year after Coltrane passed. 
Joe Farrell on tenor and soprano, Jimmy Garrison playing bass in Berlin that I think you might have heard and I know you you got excited about. See how I'm smiling? Yes. That band, man, that was some serious players. Man. That was a serious band. That band was no joke. Please. Shall we? Please. All right, this is WKCR, William Hooker, Probably my guest. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> playing the Knitting Factory. You can come see him Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. in Brooklyn yeah. at, uh, on, what did I say, Metropolitan Avenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just go to Bedford and get off. Yeah, and and, I, or you can go to the website, go to knittingfactory.com. Excellent. And get uh, all the directions, yeah. and instructions. Like 18 other people, and it's... I it's mean, going to be a great night like, of music. Really, it's just going to be a really excellent night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. a lot of fun. Um, so we're in the uh, we're in the KCR archives and this yep. program Deep Focus, and uh, so we're going to go to Berlin, the Berlin Jazz Days Festival, uh, August of 1968. And uh, do we want to hear the introduction in in German, or should we go directly to the music? Go. <laughs> <laughs> Which do you prefer? Go to, you the mu- go to the music. All right, all right, all right. All you right. Did, You're right. That's the thing. You did them justice. Go to the music. That. I kind of love that. And stuff. I'm not going to come up for air until this, is, this piece is okay. over. Okay. okay. Okay, Mitch? Yes, going in. We're going in. Okay. Right. So this is uh, Elvin Jones, Joe Farrell, Jimmy Garrison. Uh, this piece called Razor, WKCR. Try to tell me that you are not entertained, that we didn't just take you someplace that you wanted to go. All right. I know a little uh, promo here for Deep Focus. If you enjoy the show, and I think you do because you hung in there with us for over an hour, uh, make sure you sign up and um, you don't have to really sign up. Just uh, subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on your favorite podcasting app that's on the phone that's in your pocket right now. Or if you don't see it there for whatever reason, we're on most of the big ones, but if you don't see it, come find us at the hosting site. And that is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. And you'll get all the uh, new episodes as soon as they come up, putting up like a three-hour program every week. So three one-hour chunks. They typically go up Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday morning. So I mean, we've got, it's a flood (laughs) of content we're pushing out there for you. And uh, also, if you're enjoying it, then please do follow us on Instagram. We are deep underscore focus underscore podcast on Instagram. And, uh, you know, we put up uh, photos of these artists and there's uh, get some interesting discussions going sometimes among your fellow listeners. And I see schedule of upcoming shows also our broadcast schedule. So yeah, come on along. Uh, Deep Focus Podcast on Instagram. Subscribe. 
at uh, on your favorite podcasting app or mitchgoldman.podbean.com. And uh, I got one more thing I'm going to ask of you. If you enjoy the show, I don't ask you to put any money in or subscribe or listen to a single advertisement or anything. One thing I'm going to ask you to give you an opportunity to give, put a little something back in the pot is uh, just say you like us. Just give us those five stars or thumbs up or whatever your system allows for. What that's going to do is it's going to help people who don't know about Deep Focus to find it. And that's a cool thing. You're going to do that wherever you are. And somebody in, I mean, some music lover in Australia or Iran or Morocco or Tokyo, and we have listeners all over the world. I'm, I'm amazed at that. This might seem like some, you know, vast media empire from where you're sitting. Trust me, it is not. But um, people are getting it. More people will get it if you just give us that little thumbs up. So please do. And then, all right, all right, I got you to go this far. I'm going to go one inch further. Do for yourself. Get out there and hear some live music. That's really what this show is calling on you to do. Do that for you. All right. Hey, so this was part two of this program from January of 2013. William Hooker on the topic of Elvin Jones. Got one more hunk of music waiting for you over there in part three. See you over there.